one of the things about entrepreneurship, there is no reward without the risk. Every great entrepreneur had help. And where is that help going to come from? It's going to come from that social network. You don't have to be smarter than everybody else to make money doing asset allocation and save. I think there's a danger when you're in business to find arrogance, and especially if you're doing really well. At the end of the day, I ain't nothing special. I'm just a guy. What has value? Well, what has value is whatever people say has value. I'm going to get better and better and better at what I do as I get older. So the best me is going to be the me right before I die. Hey, family. Welcome to the Marketplace Podcast. I'm your host, Priest Willis, and today is episode number 122. I'm joined by Kevin, who goes by the name Financial Panther. Kevin has a blog about personal finance, travel hacking, and side hustling using the sharing economy. He paid off $87,000 worth of student loans in just two and a half years by choosing not to live like a big shot lawyer. Kevin is passionate about earning side income. He talks about it on his blog, but he shares a lot of rich information here on the podcast today. I'm so excited for you guys to listen to this. I know many of you who are still working nine to fives, but you still want to find other stuff to supplement your income. Hopefully this inspires you to do just that. Without further ado, here's my man, Kevin. Hey, Kevin, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, excited to have you on. You know, we talked about this offline a little bit, but I've absorbed, you know, kind of your Twitter feeds and the craziness that I've seen you have with, you know, scooters and scooters on top of scooters and you just kind of doing your side hustle stuff, which you you talk a lot about. So I I just thought this would be a a good point of view for our audience. But before we kind of get into that, why don't you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. You know, uh, so, you know, my name's Kevin. I'm from uh, Minneapolis, Uh, you know, went to law school out in Minnesota and then kind of followed the traditional legal path, Uh, started a big law firm. You know, I came out of law school with $87,000 worth of student loans, uh, which actually wasn't that bad because I came in with a half scholarship. So it could have been worse. Half scholarship. Plus you got some funds from your parents and that kind of good stuff too, right? Or something along those Yeah, well, you know, so my parents helped me out with my undergrad. Got it. Uh, but for law school, I was all on my own for that. Got it. So that's why I was much more in tune with my money for law school because it was my own money that I had to spend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, so, you know, I started off at a big law firm and I kind of went with the mindset of, you know, trying to not act like a big shot lawyer and just kind of save as much money as I could pay off my student loans as fast as possible and kind of give myself some more options. So two and a half years in, I saved up, I paid off all my student loans. I took a $50,000 pay cut to go work in government, Mm. did that for like a year and didn't like that. So I took a $20,000 pay cut to try another (laughs) job uh, in a nonprofit. And along the way, I started up this blog and I've been doing a lot of side hustles on the side and trying to figure out kind of what I want to do with the rest of my life as I try to get towards financial independence. So as of today, your nine to five essentially is the nonprofit part of you? That's correct. Yeah, that's my full time job. Uh, I'm an attorney at a nonprofit. So let me ask a question. Now, this may be not the best question for you necessarily, because, you know, if you're a doctor or a lawyer or something, you know, something along those lines, then of course you wouldn't want to go to college. But 
you move around like a lot of other people when they come out of school trying to figure out who they are and where their their best fit is at, even though you're still in your field. But what do you generally think about having a college degree? Is it antiquated in a sense, or do you think anything outside of kind of just those professions I mentioned is somewhat of a waste? You know, I am, I'm pro education, even though it's like, it can be expensive. I am pro like go to college, you know, learn something. Cause there's just like a lot of value in, you know, knowing how to like think and like figure things out in like a school setting. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like that's just kind of how I grew up. I do think people need to be very aware of how much schools cost because you know how with the whole student loan Mm -hmm. thing is just like crazy. And so, you know, if you're going to school, you got to really weigh like, is the school worth whatever the cost is? Um, you know, and like I was in that situation for law school where I had a choice of either taking the half scholarship and getting coming out with a little less debt than normal, or I could have gone to a better school out in the East Coast and spent twice as much because I didn't get any scholarship for that. And for me, like I would never like if, if I look back at it. I'm glad I didn't take the more expensive school because it would have just given me so many less options than I do yeah. now. Yeah. My son played football at Texas A&M. So he got a full ride there, oh, you know, yeah. which is a great education in itself, but then, you know, everything else kind of comes along with it. So I don't have to pay there. I agreed. My daughter goes to East Carolina university. So I agreed to give her $16,000 and nothing more. And the reason why I positioned it that way is because, you know, essentially one, she should literally be making enough to pay off her own school loan. So I don't think we should be burdened with that debt. So I don't necessarily believe in that. And I can argue with somebody on that offline. But more importantly, it's no different than if you go to a bank and you say you want to purchase a business. The first question they're going to ask is, how much did you put in? And a lot of times, I believe kids kind of go to school and because they don't really have any skin in the game, if you will, they don't really see it as a big deal. It's kind of like a waffle for them until, as you pointed out earlier, when you realize you're spending your own money, you kind of get a little bit more serious about your own education. Do you think that that's, you know, do you think that's a, a good approach to take? Or do you think, I, I, I guess, I, I guess this is, you know, probably a loaded question because if you, you have a multimillionaire, then paying the full ride of college means nothing to them. But I'm talking more to the middle class person that's kind of vacillating. Should I have to pay for someone's college? What what would be your thought process behind that? Yeah. So from my own personal standpoint, I totally agree with you that having some skin in the game really changes up how mm-hmm. you view, you know, school. Because, you know, I, I was fortunate enough, my parents paid for my undergrad and I did not take undergrad seriously at all. <laughs> I, you know, I like I just like, I skipped classes. I like partied too much. I like didn't take advantage of everything that I could have taken advantage of in undergrad. And I regret it now, you know, like, you know, I'm 31 years old now. I regret it that I didn't really do as well as I could have done in college. When I went off to law school, you know, I had to take out those loans. I saw the bill every time I was paying it every semester. Yes. And so I took that so seriously (laughs) and, you know, Law school was the best I've ever done in school, you know, better than I did in high school, better than I did in college. It was law school was the best. And the reason is because I was paying for it. And I knew like, 
this is my money. This is my investment into it. So I better take it seriously. Yeah, totally. And, and, you know, talking about taking a closer look at your finances and kind of being accountable to it. So when did you, was it kind of immediate as you were going through law school or, you know, was it when you came out of school that you decided, you know what, I'm going to beyond just being a lawyer, I'm going to, you know, start supplementing this income by doing side hustles and other stuff. When did you really push that forward? And I, for note, I noticed that you followed other financial bloggers that I'm familiar with, like Financial Samurai, Dave Ramsey, and all these kind of guys. But when did you really say, I'm going to put the onus on myself to kind of take my finances a little a step further? Yeah. So it was, uh, it would have been 2014. So I opened my first year of starting as a lawyer, like my first real year. And I just remember, you know, I saw my student loans and I knew I needed to do something about that, but I just didn't really know a lot, like at the time of like anything really about money, like Mm -hmm. other than like, I need to pay this off. And so that's kind of when I started really kind of searching for stuff online, you know, I was in the debt payoff mode. So that's how I found like, you know, the Dave Ramsey folks and that kind of thing that like tell you like this, how you pay off debt. And then as I was getting better at paying off debt, that's why I started finding this whole financial independence community of like, you know, oh, if you pay off your debt and save a lot of money, you kind of give yourself the freedom to do whatever you want in the future. So when did you, so it's my understanding that you paid off about $90,000 or somewhere in that neighborhood, 87,000 plus of debt. And it took you about two and a half years. What were some of the first things you started doing as side hustles? Yeah, for side hustles. Well, so I started picking up, I, I got really into the whole gig economy thing mm-hmm. and the whole sharing economy mm-hmm. thing. And, you know, I, I learned this from my brother. So he was, my brother had picked up this bike delivery thing called Postmates. And I remember like saying like, oh, like, that's actually perfect. Like, I like biking. I was like biking to work anyway <laughs> and biking home from work. So I thought like, yeah, I could go do this. So that was the kind of the first thing I picked up where like, you know, after work, I would just hop on my bike and just go around doing some deliveries on my way home, kind of. And that's then, not you know, that's not that sexy in in the middle of winter in Minnesota, though. I mean, that's right. it's true. I mean, it's true. And I'll admittedly, I'll admit, in the winter, my delivery game goes down because, <laughs> as right. tough as I am, even I don't like being out in the you know <laughs> negative negative degrees <laughs> in the middle of the winter. Right. But in the summer, it's great. You know, I just like I'm done with work. I just hop my bike. I go make some deliveries, you know, I just have a great time doing it. So that was kind of like the first thing I picked up. And then, you know, eventually I, one of the, another one I picked up pretty early was a uh, dog sitting uh, with this app called Rover. And, Rover. you know, yeah, I already had a dog. And so, you know, I have a little beagle that gets along really well with other dogs. So, you know, I thought, Hey, I could watch another dog. Like it's the same thing. Like two dogs isn't really much different than having one dog. And so that's how I started up doing that. And, you know, now I've been doing dog sitting for like three years now. And, uh, and then, yeah. And then, you know, eventually my wife and I, we moved into, um, back into a house that she owned and it's a four bedroom house and it was just the two of us and our dog. And so I was like, Hey, we have this extra room here. Why don't we just like throw that up on Airbnb and, you know, see what happens. And so we've been doing that and the Airbnb just, you know, it brings in $800,000 a month just from renting out a room in our house. Wow. Yeah. Which, you know, it's just like a great thing. And it's like, you know, we get to meet new people. It helps us 
keep our house clean because we have people coming and we don't want to like, you know, look bad. <laughs> so it's right. kind of like, you know, you already have to keep your house clean anyway. So it's kind of like, oh, sort of like I'm paying myself to clean my house. Right. Yeah. So that's kind of like just a couple of the things I started off doing. So you have, uh, so you're doing Postmates to start with at least. You're doing dog walking, you're doing Airbnb, and I imagine at one point, uh, and even to this day, you're doing all of these things. And I know, again, you know, as I talked about at the top of the interview here, you, you're loading, charging up scooters and all that kind of stuff. So you're riding around with that when it's, I guess that's a seasonal job in some respect because you don't do any driving or you, you right. choose not to drive. I should put it that way. What are we talking about in terms of net new revenue at the end of the month by doing all these different side hustles? Yeah, you know, so it goes up and down. It varies, but you know, typically I make between a thousand and three thousand dollars a month just like doing these little different things. And it doesn't seem like a lot when you're doing like a little delivery here, a little dog walking there, a little Airbnb. But when you put it all together over the course of a month, it really adds up. And what really works for me and that I think can work for a lot of people is that. I've kind of incorporated this into my daily life, you know, because like I work a nine to five, I work on this blog, I don't have a whole lot of free time always. But like a lot of this stuff is just things that I can incorporate as I'm doing. So, you know, an example is the scooters, right? I'll charge up these scooters and I will take them home with me, like on my way home. <laughs> mm. So it's like I can ride these things home, collect mm -hmm. scooters. And it's like I'm getting paid to go home, you know, monetizing my commute home or like dog walking. You know, my office is by like a lot of um, big apartment buildings. Mm. And so there's dogs everywhere to walk. And so at my lunch hour, you know, I can go and walk a dog, you know, at noon for half an hour and make some money at my lunch hour when I would otherwise just, you know, sit at my computer and, you know, browse the Internet or something. And so it's like, I'm getting a little exercise, I'm getting out there, and it's just like part of my day, you know? So it's not really taking up extra hours in my day just because of the way I do it. Yeah, totally. So you you seem to have a lot of, you know, side jobs that keep you relatively active, but I know where you're, you're based in Minnesota and it's, you know, it has a lot of hubbub going on. What would you say to those people that are, they, they're not necessarily in a you know, in a, such a city environment where they can just walk past scooters, they maybe don't even see them that often. How would you start approaching side hustles? Or maybe is there something on your blog that has kind of aggregated, here are side hustles for those that live in rural communities or whatever the case is? Yeah, so that's actually something I have been bad at thinking about, because that's true. A lot of this stuff that I do a lot, especially, you know, with gig economy, sharing economy stuff, it's all really city based. Mm -hmm. And so if you're out in rural areas, it's going to be a lot harder. You're going to have to do things that are like internet based, you know, things I could think of are like flipping stuff, you know, if you find something and I've started trying to do this actually, as I'm trying to like, you know, go to Goodwill, find some stuff for cheap yep. and then see if I can sell it for more. Retail arbitrage. Yeah, like retail arbitrage, garage selling, that kind of stuff. You know, it's it's a high learning curve for that as you're trying to figure out what's worth what. But you know, everything you're gonna do in life, you gotta learn how to do it. And so that's one thing you could do is you could just start that. And you know, the key with the good thing with a lot of these type of side hustles is they don't take up a lot of money or time. You know, you can start like especially with you know gig commie sharing kind of stuff. That stuff doesn't have to cost anything to start. It's like you can do it 
immediately. And if it does, if you don't like it, you can just stop. You know, same with a lot of stuff like, you know, if you're flipping things, you can kind of start with a little small amount and see if it works for you. A lot of us are trying to find an advantage in business. We're trying to build more content. Some of us use blogs, social media sites. One avenue that's being used even more today is writing ebooks. There are people like myself who are out there writing ebooks, putting them out on Amazon. And I found a pretty cool tool called KDP Rocket that helps with book marketing research. This is a tool to help find best-selling book ideas, profitable niches, and rank better in Amazon and select Kindle keywords. So get your book notice on Amazon by using KDP Rocket and share your results with me. Look in today's show notes, click on the link, and get started. It's an inexpensive program, less than $100, and it's small investment towards trying to build out different books that you're writing and promoting on Amazon. Again, pick up KDP Rocket, click on the link in today's show notes, and share your success. Now back to the show. So tell me, how do you manage how do you manage doing all of these side hustles and still being a a very engaged lawyer for a nonprofit? How does how do you I, I guess the better question here is how do you do your time management? Yeah, you know, a lot of it is just it, it's it's a lot of it is just kind of fitting them into the parts of my day. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like you know, like I explained with the walking dogs at my lunch hour, that's like my time. So, you know, I'm gonna take no matter what, I'm gonna take half hour, an hour for lunch. And so it's like I can kind of take that time to do my own little side thing. And same with my commute to and from work. It's like something I can fit things in mm-hmm. during those bits of time. So it's just about finding the time. You know, if you think about like how your average day is, right? Well, we all get 24 hours in a day. If you spend eight hours of it working, eight hours of sleeping, you still got eight hours like there for something, right? Sure. And you know, what are most of us doing in that eight hours? We're on the internet, we're watching TV. So it's like there's time to kind of fit things in if you if you can make that time. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I you know that for me, I think you know, and I ask this question because a lot of times I, I know that some companies kind of embrace their employees going out and finding outlets, especially at more stressful jobs. I know I've talked to other people. And um, I'm pretty open about me working, but still having side hustles and being involved in other stuff. Um, but I know some companies, they're afraid to tell their management, not that they necessarily have to, but it's, you know, you don't want to seem like you're doing anything nefarious. But I know that some people are afraid to tell their job because as soon as numbers start slipping or you don't have a good quarter, they'll be like, are we not having a good quarter because you're picking up line bikes or whatever the case is? <laughs> so I think that's why some people are a little hesitant on kind of being public about the different things that they're involved in. Right. And, you know, I admit that I'm the same way. I mean, I've had that situation because I don't tell people at, at my office that I do this stuff. It's like, this is all kind of secret done on my own time. And I remember when I used to be, when I was at a big law firm here, I had a delivery once after work where the delivery was actually going back to someone <laughs> at my firm. <laughs> so I canceled that one because I didn't want to like deliver it to them and be like, what are you doing after work? <laughs> you're coming in with the sandwich and they're like, dude, we just closed a good case. And you're like, here's your, here's right. your, hot, here's your hot sandwich. <laughs> yeah. So, so I, I know where you're coming from with that. Like, I, I agree. You know, but at the same time, you know, when you think about like, 
if you put all of your egg, you know, like if you think about like with a job, right? If we put all of our eggs into one basket, that's like, you know, we always talk about in personal finance, we always talk about diversifying when you're investing in stuff. And like we never, a lot of us don't diversify with our income. We just put all of it into our one job. And it's like, you never know what could happen with that job, yes. you know? Yeah. Like when I look at myself, it's like, if something were to happen to my job, like literally today, I could still make things work just with all of the other things I have going on, like outside of that. And so it's like, gives me a little comfort in knowing that I've got this kind of safety net. You know, I call it the side hustle emergency fund where it's like, if something happens, you can go back to all your side hustles and that will be enough to cover you. No, I, I agree with you a hundred percent. I think people need to learn how to live um, not necessarily on their salary, but what they do around their salary. And they should be having other streams of income. I, I agree with that a hundred percent. So speaking of diversification and finding ways for your other money to work. So you're making, you know, month to month and it varies between one to $3,000 how are you taking that money or are you taking that money and investing it in other play things? Like I'm making this up. You may not do this, but if you want to get in Bitcoin or peer to peer lending or whatever it may be, how are you using those dollars to invest in other areas? Yeah. So what I do with all my extra money is um, with all my side hustle money, I basically just treat it like it's extra income to me because I don't need it to live. And so it's basically all money I can save. And so the, thing that I do is I set up a solo 401k, which is kind of like creating your own 401k if you're self-employed, mm -hmm. which if you're doing any sort of things on your own outside of work, you are self-employed. And so I basically take all of my money and invest it all into index funds in my solo 401k. Got it. So you're kind of creating a 401k, which then in a sense means that you're even your gigs on the side, you're, you're then kind of incorporating or creating some kind of LLC or something around that then, right? So no, it's just like, I'm just a sole proprietor with all these side gigs because you don't even have to be any sort of entity. It's just you yourself, as long as you, as long as it's money that you pay self-employment taxes on, which I do have to pay self-employment tax on all of this. It's money I can save away in my own solo 401k that I've created. So, and the solo 401k is like this, great, great thing that a lot of side hustlers don't even realize they can take advantage of, you know, because you can open it up for free at uh, some companies and just like invest in great, great options. And it's just like basically creating yourself a bonus retirement account mm -hmm. that, you know, most people don't know about or don't have. So it's like, I always look at this like, you know, in 10 to 30 years or whatever, I'm going to have like this big pile of money that I made from walking dogs, and <laughs> delivering food, you know, you know what I'm talking about? And so it's like something that I, I think will be funny to think about in the future. Yeah. So, uh, you know, speaking of funny, maybe, but what, what are some side gigs that at some point you were just like, I'm not doing this anymore. This is, this is a crappy job. No, no pun intended for the dog walking, but what, what are some things that <laughs> you maybe just decided you, you weren't going to do anymore? And what are some that are maybe more rich in terms of side hustles that you're doing today? Yeah. So the ones that I did, so I've, I'm basically one of these people who tries all of these gig economy, sharing economy, side hustle. Me things. too. Yeah. I just like, it, it takes no time to sign up for them. So it's like, why not try them out? And one of the ones I tried out was Instacart, which just didn't work for me. That's basically a grocery delivery thing. 
And my problem with that one is that I had to use my car to deliver the groceries. And I also had to shop for the groceries, which I don't like shopping for groceries <laughs> anyway. Right. So it's like, it just didn't work well with like the type of things I like doing. And so I only did that like one time. And then I was like, yeah, this is not for me. And so I just stopped doing it. So that's one thing that I just like wasn't very fun to mm. me. In terms of more of the, the more fun ones, you know, I've always loved doing the food deliveries on my bike. I just, I'm going to, I could do that forever because mm. <laughs> I just love biking. And then really the, you know, you mentioned the scooters, um, charging up these bird and lime scooters. Mm -hmm. Those are great right now because, you know, if you grab like five to seven scooters a day, charge them up, bring them back, you know, you make yourself between 25, $35 a day. And it's like, that's between, if you do it every day, that's between seven fifty and a thousand dollars a month just from charging up scooters and putting back out. So that one can be really uh, profitable, especially because it just doesn't take that much time if you live in kind of the certain types of neighborhoods that have lots of scooters, which I happen to live in that kind of neighborhood. Right. And obviously, Airbnb is a really big one for you. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. And that's a good one. I just do Airbnb so much I can't even think about that. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like becomes just a normal thing. Uh, but yeah, Airbnb is definitely big, you know, especially it's one that a lot of people could do if they're just willing to be a little bit more open minded about it. Because, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, I don't want to share my space or have some like stranger come into my house. And it's like, you know, I've hosted over 200 people, over 200 guests in the last, you know, two and a half years I've been doing this. And I've never had anyone disrespect my house or do anything really bad. It's amazing to me that we, so, this, this new economy, if you will, I, you know, just the concept. So I'm a Gen Xer. I know you pride yourself on being millennial. You even kind of tag it millennial yeah. lawyer. So, and I'm, I'm, by the way, for the record, I'm against this whole, and the millennial generation is this way and the Gen Xers are that way. I think that's a very broad brush that people take, which I don't, I don't necessarily agree with, but I think it's, it's funny because there was a time, at least in my lifetime that we, you can't imagine just picking up strangers and letting them in your house for some extra bucks. And now this is a thing, right? I mean, it's just incredible yeah. to think how, our economy has kind of turned on itself and, you know, we're creating businesses, small business people, you know? Right. Yeah. And, you know, it's just like, it, it kind of, you just got to kind of believe that most people are, you know, are going to be good. And that's kind of how I look at the world. I assume most people are good. And so that's why I'm a little more comfortable with, you know, sharing my space with people. And, and yeah, it's just like, it really works out. And, you know, if you think about, the houses most people have, most people have an extra room that never gets used. Yeah, and true. So there, there's that, that's that's money right there that can be that can be turned into something, you know. So you know, it's like simplest form of you know house hacking right there. At the end of the day, we're all kind of going to bed, um, waking up the next day to be successful, right? Everybody is working. No one plans to wake up the next day and say, "I hope this is the, the biggest failure of the day." But obviously. There, there's an end you're trying to get to, or maybe there's not, you tell me, but in, and let me phrase it this way. So a lot of times I hear people say, you should quit your full-time job and go after this. I, and I've been more of a fan of, Hey man, work your full-time job and your side hustles and your side job until you are at a crossroads where you just can't work one or the other, that they just made it unbearable. But there is this collective group out there that says, no, you, you have to work or you should quit your job to put more of your attention into 
you know, this other thing to be great at it. What's kind of your thought process between having a full-time job and just keeping the side thing going until it breaks or just does, you know, either one falls out? Oh man. Okay. So, you know, I used to be the type of person who was like, yeah, I'll probably just have a full-time job and just do things on the side forever. And the more I like, the more I start, you know, getting older and stuff, the more I'm starting to realize that there's just so much money that can be made out there, especially if you don't need a lot of it mm -hmm. to live. And so I am just of the opinion that, you know, if you believe in yourself, you know, if you really want to, you know, invest in something, you should really invest in yourself and put money into yourself. So, you know, as I look at it now, I am, I'm, I'm at that point now where I'm at that crossroads as well, where I, you know, I'm probably going to leave this job mm -hmm. this year and take a shot at this whole online business thing and see if I can make it. And it's just like, you know, the worst case, the way I see it is the worst case, I can just go and get another job if I have to, if I can't make it on my True. own. But, you know, there's just so much stuff out there that I just feel like a lot of people could make it on their own, you know, if they, they really, really give it yeah. a shot. You know, obviously it requires a lot, you know, you got to have obviously, you know, some runway and a little, you know, something to, to support yourself. But, you know, it's just this whole online entrepreneur thing is just like, I just am believing in it more and more every day. Yeah, I am too. And there's so many different avenues. I mean, there's, you know, you talked about Airbnb, there's Uber, there's Lyft, there's Uber Eats, Postmates you brought up. I mean, people are doing retail arbitrage on eBay, Craigslist. You know, at the end of the day, it's if you right. can provide some value to a customer, you will get the audience that you're looking for, right? So the opportunities are endless, but you, you have to... You have to spend a little time with it and be able to put, get your hands dirty a little bit. Right. And, you know, you know, so you've got your, uh, you know, you talked to me about your blog that yep. you had started up this uh, yep. recently about living yep. on 60K, right? And so you look at it, like 60K, that's only, that's $5,000 right. a month. Like, can you generate $5,000 a month doing something? I would say yes. I think that most people could right. do that, right. you know? $5,000 a month. That's not crazy. You know, I, I can almost make 5000 a month just doing this stuff outside of my day job. And so I think about, wow, what could I do if I just put all of my time? Into yeah, that? I mean, that's that's so that's the exact reason. And again, your your content is one of the main things that I've been absorbing and looking at and really appreciating everything that you've been putting out. And I'm like, you know what? I want to start a finance blog. It's not necessarily to be all things finance. I mean, my, I, I have a goal in mind and I'm kind of journaling it and it'll obviously unfold as a blog, but it's, it's pathway to 60 K.com. And the intention behind it is just to say, I want to live on 60,000 because I know it's possible. Right. And the excess stuff is the stuff to save and invest with. And I think that's the point, right? Is that a lot of us live in excess of our, our, our salaries and other stuff. And we just think, gigging isn't isn't possible or you know building a business or something isn't possible because your time is taken up and as you pointed out articulately earlier you got more time than you really think you do you just have to find out where you're actually investing that time at right that's exactly right so you know one of the things that i've i i can appreciate about you having a blog is that you have a great place where people can ask questions you have a community you have all those kind of things what are one of those things that recently 
that people are either asking a lot of questions about or new gigs on the horizon? What are some things that you can share with us as you're kind of aggregating these questions? And maybe you're not, but what what are some things that just seems to be a recurring point in the finance community that that people are bringing up with you and on your blog? Yeah, hmm, that's a good question. Um, you know, I get a lot of people asking about the time aspect. How much time does all my my things take? You know, and it's like it's hard for me to calculate the exact time because of how the nature of how I do them, where I'm like mixing in my commute or my lunch hour or whatever with all this stuff. So I get a lot of those kind of questions, which I guess I don't really know. You know, people ask me, "Hey, break <laughs> down how much do you make hourly doing all this stuff?" You know, I I don't really know. <laughs> I'll be honest, I have no idea. It's it's enough that. I think it's worth my time, but, you know, obviously it's all individual. You know, I get a lot of questions in my community about credit cards mm. also. Um, you know, I don't know if you follow the whole travel hacking and all that stuff. I'm, I'm all into it. In fact, we had an interview with a guy from creditcards.com that I'm very much into. I have six credit cards and I'm playing with all of them. Travel hacking, that's been a big thing, but that just started last year for me. And you're right. That's a big deal right now. Yeah, and it is. You know, when you think about like the value of all the travel hacking and the credit card rewards points is, you know, if you play it right, it's like you can really increase your, I, I guess you can kind of like cut down your budget that you would spend on traveling, you know? And so, you know, every year I've got to travel places and it's like, I don't have to spend money on that anymore because I'm able to kind of strategically do the whole credit card game so that I don't have to you know, pay for my flights and that kind of thing. Um, so I get a lot of questions. Do, do you gamify your cards from the standpoint of, I know some people that I think literally they pay their cards in full, then they turn around and pay their rent or mortgage and all their monthly bills with it and then pay it off again. So they're gamifying it that way. Is that something you're into or is that just way too deep for you? Yeah, well, you know, I do, I put everything I spend, I always try to put on credit cards just because I'm always opening up new cards and trying to hit the spends on them so I can get the bonus points. Um, so I mm -hmm. guess I am gamifying them because I'm never spending a dollar on a card without knowing why I'm spending it on the card. <laughs> right. Yeah. Cause, well, when, the minute you stop knowing why you spent it on there, that's when you start getting in trouble. For, for, that's true. You know. I always pay off my credit cards in full and I don't spend more than I make. So Totally. What are, maybe, what are maybe some other things aside from credit cards? And I can just imagine someone listening that's like, look, we don't have the line bikes. I don't have the credit cards. But what are some things that I can do at a very tactical level, even if I'm just working nine to five, to maybe pay a little bit closer attention to knocking down my debt, just as you did? I know the, the large amount that you knocked down was largely based, I believe, on side hustles and other stuff. But what's maybe some other approaches financially that you would suggest to somebody as they start attacking their debt, particularly, you know, as we look into the new year, everybody gets excited about new year, new me, no debt yeah. and all that kind of stuff. How would you what, what would your thoughts be around that? Yeah, well, you know, a lot of money stuff, like just at the base of it, you know, when you think about like debt or anything, you just got to you got to make more than you spend to be able to pay off your debt. and so. Mm -hmm. A lot of the way I think about stuff is, you know, my big thing, especially for young people, and this is what I did, was live like a student for, you know, as long as you can. Mm -hmm. Because the whole lifestyle inflation thing, you know, and I get caught up in the lifestyle inflation too, but it's like some people just 
go crazy with the lifestyle inflation. As soon as they get their first paycheck, it's like off to the races. And it's like people, you know, if you just like kind of think about like college grad, right? So like you're in college, you're living like a student, living totally fine as a student, you know, with roommates or whatever, right? And then you graduate Mm -hmm. and get yourself a good job. And then suddenly it's like, I have to live this like enhanced lifestyle. And the problem is once you like increase your lifestyle, it's so much harder to bring it back down, you know? Very true. So yeah. And there's like, that's my thing. It's like, just like be humble, be happy with what you have. Because when I think about like just the general base thing of like being good with money, it's about being humble because the first, the second you're like, I need to impress this person. I need to impress that person. I need to do all this stuff. That's when everything starts kind of, you know, you start taking out more debt, getting a bigger house that you don't need, getting a big fancy car that you don't need. And all this stuff that just like slowly kind of traps you, you know, and then you just kind of don't have the ability to do the things you want. And then really you're just working to pay for your stuff that you don't ever get to use. No, I think that's that's really good information, living like a student. I think that's a really good point because a lot of us, again, this is why I'm going back to the 60K thing because, you know, I and I call it like a hundred thousand heirs approach to living on 60, 60K a year because a lot of times we have a lot more than we think and it's really in the fragments. A lot of time we respect how the money is coming in, meaning you're going to your job, you're saying I need another raise because you're getting another bill. But there's really it's a lot of times it's in the fragments, right? That the extra money is in the fragments of what's already there. Yeah. And, you know, that's like it's just about having some perspective, too, because, you know, so like, you know, you're living on 60K thing there. That's like some people would say, you know, if you're like some big shot lawyer or doctor or something, you'd be like, I could never live on 60K. And then you like if you think about it, the average what what's the median income in the U.S., like 50,000 or something is like. The average yeah, I think it was like 56,000 or something right. along those lines. Yep. And so if you think about it, it's like, there's a lot of people, half the population of the US is living on less than that. And so it's like, if you kind of think about that and give yourself the perspective there, it really kind of helps you understand what you need and what you don't need. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think we are kind of overindulging in some areas and we're caught up in trying to prove this value to people, particularly those that start achieving stuff. And, uh, you know, I'm at a place where you do have to do ego checks because, you know, sometimes I find myself at CarMax and I know, you know, I drive a, a Kia Sorento and my wife drives a a Nissan and uh, a Nissan Rogue. And, you know, somebody told me recently, you know, you can drive something different. I'm like, yeah, I know. But I mean, that's double the <laughs> that's double the amount and double everything else that comes along with it. Yeah. I mean, I just don't get I don't get the point the older I get, you know, why we're trying to prove something to everyone with our finances or at least how we look rich. Yeah. And you know, this is kind of one of the advantages of a lot of these side hustles that I do. It kind of helps me keep my head above you know, it kind of keeps me humble and keeps my head from getting too big because if I'm out there delivering food for people, it kinda, you know, it kinda makes me brings me down. You know, I can't really go around and act like, oh, I'm this big shot lawyer <laughs> and I'm out delivering food to someone, you know? So like, it's so funny because I'll go and deliver food to like lawyers and law students and stuff. And it's like, I'm a lawyer. <laughs> I'm out here doing this. So, you know, it kind of makes me humble. Yeah, totally. So I know you have, again, you have a great blog and uh, we'll, we'll give you a chance to kind of 
you know, share a lot of that information, but what are, you know, what are you listening to or what are you following blog wise to get kind of your financial information or just kind of get inspired what by what other people are doing out there in the finance world or the FinCon world or FinTech world, whatever you want to call yeah, it? Yeah, there's like so many stuff out there. Uh, you know, one that I've been really getting into is these YouTube channels. They're just like, there's just some really good ones out there. And like, let me just think about some of them here. You know, there's like, couple of these really good YouTube channels that kind of help you think about things. Like there's one called Minority Mindset, which I really like. Yes. Uh, oh, yeah, I like you know that, that one, one too. Right? Yeah, I like that one a lot. It's just totally. like really. Yeah, that's a good yeah, one. I'm trying to think of some other ones, you know. But yeah, there's a lot of stuff out there. So, you know, YouTube channels, I feel like are really great little bits of short information that really. And I've been really getting into these entrepreneurs type Thing. So, you know, in terms of podcasts, there's one called Tropical MBA, which I really like. Yep. I yeah, like there's a, there's a newer one by some uh, blogger friends of mine called Laptop Empires, which uh, I've really enjoyed. Laptop, Laptop Empires. Empires. Yeah, okay. it's a little bit of a newer one. And that one ha- is a great kind of entrepreneur type thing. But yeah, so these are kind of a lot of entrepreneur stuff I've been starting to listen to as I kind of trying to get myself the confidence to like, you know, believe that I can go out there and try to make it on my own. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I, you know, once, you know, people have to know once they start getting into this, reading Kevin's blog, start digging through information, watching, you know, different YouTube channels, it kind of opens up the rabbit hole for other information for you to dig into. So you, you just kind of start immersing yourself in the space and then you go off and practice it. So just don't get fat on the information and not do anything, but go out, try some of this stuff. That's why I asked about Kevin's failures earlier is because you know, I wanted to see, you know, why he picked back up and try something different. So Kevin, you've been extremely gracious with your time and I really appreciate it. So, you know, how can people, if they want to take in your content, watch you roll around with scooters, <laughs> let, you know, maybe get some of your thoughts around finance, feel free to share your information, you know, give the URL to your blog, Twitter page, all that good stuff, Facebook community. The whole bit. Yeah. You know, if you want to uh, read my stuff, you can find my blog is financialpanther.com. Uh, on there, I write about financial independence, side hustling, and all that stuff. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter at financialpanther, but without the R at the end. So it's financialpanth. And you <laughs> couldn't, I couldn't fit the R at the end. It was too many, too many characters. <laughs> uh, so yeah, those are my two main places I, I, I hang out at. Cool. Kevin, man, thank you so much for kind of sharing your story, some tidbits around side hustling, and I I wish you the best, man. I really appreciate you spending the time with us. Yeah, thank you so much. Really had a great time. Hope you got something out of today's episode. Kevin has a pretty darn good story and shows that a lot of this stuff works. I've tried to do the math behind Uber and some of these other things to see if it's really worth your time, and there's YouTube videos and all kinds of stuff out there where people debate the idea of using your own vehicles or using your own house. But look, if it works for you, then you should work it. You shouldn't listen to what the other people say, the critics say. You should just test it out. And like I've told you, told Kevin, um, I'm always playing with side hustles and let stuff drop off. And I'm always seeing what works for me. It sounds like Kevin is the same. And hopefully you guys are too. Hopefully you got something out of this podcast today. Look forward to seeing you guys next Sunday for a new episode of the Marketplace Podcast. Please leave 
feedback, please subscribe, tell your friends, share, do anything you can. I really appreciate the growth that you guys are helping with in this podcast. It's meant so much to me, particularly because we're pulling it from nothing. Um, you know, it's it's you guys and it's it's been an amazing growth. And I, I can't thank you enough for all that you've done in helping to support the podcast, my efforts here. And I think the editors and my assistants that help out with stuff, it, it means so much to me. It really does. So until next Sunday, I'll talk to you soon. I'm the best ever. My style is impetuous. My defense is impregnable. And I'm just ferocious.